Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. Ladies and gentlemen, it is June, which means it is National Zoo and Aquarium Month. We are going to be celebrating that on the podcast by highlighting some very talented and unique keepers all around the world. On today's show, we have Zookeeper Johnny from the Nashville Zoo. You guys, I had such a good time talking to her. We actually went over an hour and I just, I was cracking up. I just, I absolutely love, and I know you guys have heard me say this, I love hearing people's journeys. And during this interview, Johnny just really goes into detail about what it was like going, you know, growing up in Columbus, Ohio, to, you know, working at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium, to working in the heat of Texas, to then finally landing a job at the Nashville Zoo, working with a variety of different animals, including clouded leopards, flamingos, black palm cockatoos, okapis, red pandas. The experience she talks about with a red panda is phenomenal. It's, you guys, all my zookeeping friends, you're going to love this, but even all my animal friends, everyone listening to the show, you're really, really going to enjoy. We also discuss what it's like being a black zookeeper. You know, there aren't very many black zookeepers, and she talks about being the only one at her zoo and the only black zookeeper at a variety of different zoos that she's worked at. And she talks about how she is able to, you know, represent the community and, you know, set an example for kids. We go into that. We also talk about something hilarious, and that is at the end of the episode, we talk about the Nashville Zoo and why they won the best bathroom award. Yes, that is something. The best bathroom award. You have to stay tuned. I will not go into detail because you guys, she explains it well, but please make sure to check that out. With that said, before we get to the interview, please make sure as always to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify or Pandora or wherever you listen to the show. Subscribe, comment, please leave a rating. You guys, the show is climbing in the ranks and it is amazing. We are in the top 100 nature podcast and we are up there and it's because of you. It's because of you listening and it's also because you share this with friends and you share this with family and more people are discovering it and it is amazing. We're getting great feel-good content out there and we're you know, we're, you know, being a voice for animals and it's just, oh, it's just awesome. So thank you for, you know, for sharing this and just, you know, subscribing and all that type of stuff. Once again, that really helps us out. And as always, for more behind the scenes information, make sure to check out my social media handles at Corbin Maxi, and that I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. And make sure, as always, if you have not had a chance, make sure to tune in to Animal Nights Live. That is the weekly animal late night show that I host. We typically film Thursday nights, although we are kind of switching around the schedule just because we're kind of dealing with, you know, the animal availability. But that's basically me going live on my social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We go live all at the same time at 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain Time, which is my time. And we feature an animal and we go over animal news and we have trending topics. And people all around the world are watching the show and it is phenomenal and I get to interact with you. So I once again, truly, 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 truly hope you enjoy us for one of those shows, Animal Nights Live, if you have not already. Okay, with that said, let's get to it. Please welcome to the show, Zookeeper Johnny from the Nashville Zoo. 
All right, you guys, I am so excited today because I have zookeeper Johnny on the show from the Nashville Zoo. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Corbin. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, and you know why I'm having you on? Well, first of all, you have one of my favorite Instagram profiles. Thank you. I, that means a lot. <laughs> no, I love it. As a matter of fact, can you give us your Instagram handle? Yeah, it's Zookeeper Johnny, um, and you spell my name J-A-W-N-I-E, so super simple, Zookeeper Johnny. Yes, oh, I love your Instagram, and I know that June is National Zoo and Aquarium Month, and I thought, let's interview some keepers, and let's just highlight some of you know your fascinating careers. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I actually didn't even know that. I'll have to, I need to like keep up on my weeks and months and all of that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I just, no, I knew that years ago. They used to have me on the Today Show every June for National Zoo and Aquarium Month. And I used to love coming on, even though I don't work for a zoo and I would give like trivia and so all that type of weird stuff. So that is why it's imprinted in my mind. Like, oh my gosh, June is the month. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. So let's just talk about you. I mean, I just, I had to creep through your Instagram and I, God, I just, I love it. And I'm not blowing smoke. I love that you're putting good feel good content out there and it's educational, but it's like fun. And it's just, I love it. Thank you. I try to post like stuff that I'm interested in and think about what I think other people would really enjoy learning. So whenever I, if I like take a picture of one of our hornbills, like not many people even know what a hornbill is, but then I'll go in and like find a really interesting and fun fact um, to make it a little bit more fun for people that are following me. Yeah. And you know what I love about this is that I don't really know much about you just from your Instagram. So this is going to be fun. I mean, no, really, though, because I mean, this is going to be great to learn your story. I mean, how you know what led you to working at the Nashville Zoo? Give us give us an in-depth view at, you know, growing up and just your path. Yeah. Um, so I guess I ever realized that I don't think I share a whole lot of like my personal stuff on Instagram. Um, but I grew up, I feel like everyone in this field loving animals and I don't know, I think like the only known career path to me at the time was being a veterinarian, which I feel like most people that's their story, like I want to work with animals, so I'm going to be a vet. But I think when I was still fairly young, I, I think I had a dog pass away and I was like, oh, vets have to like do that and they have to like put animals down. And I was like, I can't do that. And that was like the one thing that turned me off. Not that you don't deal with that stuff anywhere you work with animals. So I kind of like, I still loved animals and I liked, well, I always wanted to go to the zoo. So I grew up in Ohio and around Columbus, Ohio. Oh, you're so um, lucky. Was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we would always go to this water park that was right next to the zoo called Wyandotte Lake, which now is Zumbezi Bay that's a part of the zoo. And it shared the parking lot with the zoo. So every time we went to Wyandotte Lake, I could, I swear I could smell like the animals in the parking lot. And I was always like, I just want to go to the zoo. But we were always just going to the water park. And I think I'd only gone there maybe once when I was younger. And so I, whatever, grew up, went through high school. I went to school for, um, I was going to school for pre-physical therapy because it like interested me, but it wasn't a passion. I just thought like, oh, it'd be nice and it'll make decent money, obviously more money than <laughs> working at a zoo. But then I think it was actually my junior year of college. I went to the zoo with my cousin's girlfriend and um, his son, and we went to go see an animal show at the zoo. 
And I, like, it blew my mind. Like, I honestly, I think I just was so starstruck with stuff. Like, I don't even remember all the animals. I think it was one of their bird shows, maybe. And just to see people interacting with ambassador animals in that way, like, it blew my mind. Because, again, I've always been an animal person. So after the show, I went up and asked them what they went to school for because I was in college. But remember, like, this is my junior year. And they said that they had all gone to school for, like, zoology and environmental sciences and things like that. So, and this was the summer between my junior and, and this, senior And this, really quick, was this at the Columbus Zoo? Yes. Okay, yes, sorry. I just want to make sure. Okay, yeah. perfect. And, like, one of the, I think at the time, that probably was the only zoo that I had ever been to. Um, unfortunately, I never got to grow up, like, going and visiting places, let alone going to a zoo, other than Columbus. Yeah, so they had told me kind of what career thing to kind of stick to. Um, they said a couple of the people that worked there, and they were all seasonals at the time. Um, some people did education, which I've also always been kind of drawn towards kids. Like I've always babysat. I've always been like a Sunday school teacher or helper or something like that. So at one point I kind of was like, maybe I should go to school to be a teacher. But that summer I went to talk to my counselor and ask them about changing my major. And I ended up changing my major that summer before my senior year of college started. So it added another two years. So instead of graduating in four years, I graduated in six years. And I went to school for like environmental studies. I specialized um, in environmental education. Okay. Because I wanted to be with the animals, but also educate and do things with kids still. So I did that. And at the time, I was told also like, just get your foot in the door which I feel like a lot of zookeepers and a lot of people in the animal field, like that's a big thing is getting your foot in the door. So I applied, I think that next summer, it was 2010. I've been, I've been in the field kind of for 10 years now, which is insane to me. I got a job in the admissions department there and I got to know so many people because we would work like the parking area. We'd work the front area. We'd work some of the ride areas and sometimes keepers would go through and I would always try to like, make friendly conversation. And one other thing that I probably should mention is that I, since I was a small child, this was not me. Like if I, if you were my best friend, yes, you would see this side of me, but I was like insanely shy, like panic attack, just at the thought of raising my hand and like answering a question sometimes like in front of people. So that was something that I had to get over obviously was talking in front of people. So I did that, and then I had taken um, the CIG course through school, the, what's it called, Interpretive Guide Certification okay. course. I did that through OSU, and one of the teachers was the director of education at the Columbus Zoo. So I think it was like there was only a couple weeks left of the class, so instead of doing like several days worth, it just was like a three-hour class every so often. Um, so with like one or two weeks left, she came to me and asked if I would be interested in an internship that was starting at the zoo. And I was like, heck yes, <laughs> I would love to do that. And it was actually through this program called Together Green Youth. And it's like a government funded in internship. So they do a lot of stuff with like kids in high school and like elementary school and stuff like that. So they chose two interns to be at the zoo and place them in the education department. So I did an internship with the education department and was an interpretive guide, which was a lot of fun. And that was where I honestly got to know most of the keepers because we were in areas like they have the Manatee House there, which mm. is them in Cincinnati are the only two places outside of 
Florida that house Florida manatees. And so it was technically like an open exhibit, like if someone really wanted to, they could climb in. So they always had to have someone in the building. So we were there all the time with the keepers. And so we got to know them, the kangaroo walkabout, we were always in there with them. Um, So I think it was like a 12 week internship, or maybe it was like the standard 10. And when it was done, they asked if I wanted to stay. And I was like, again, heck yes, please. I would love to do this. So I didn't quite yet work with animals, which was still my end goal. And so I did that for three years, I think. And then one of the girls who was a temporary school lead was going back to school to do um, to get her like teacher's license. So I covered for her and was a temporary school lead. So I actually got to work with animals. I still hadn't taken care of them yet, like cleaned up after them. So I honestly still wasn't sure, like, do I actually want to do that? Like, at home, I'm not a fan of cleaning. Like, do I want to clean up after all these nasty animals? Um, so I only ever got experience just working with some of them, which was still a lot of fun. And, like, we had to clean up the crates, but, like, that's nothing compared to cleaning up an enclosure. So when that was all done, I finally got the the job, still seasonal. So I've been seasonal for four years up to this point. Um, another seasonal position at the Columbus Zoo working in the Animal Encounter Village. So the department that like Jack Hanna runs, it's the Animal Programs Department. So they have a lot of different little sections of that department. And so I was at the Animal Encounters Village where we would do encounters and we would do shows and we'd get there early in the morning to take care of the animals. And that was when I was like, okay, it's not bad. Like that bad cleaning up after the animals. I'd much rather clean up after them than myself or my dogs or my pets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, really quick. I have to interrupt though. Did you meet the famous Jack? I did a couple of times. Like they weren't super long encounters, um, but he, Still has like a house that's kind of behind the scenes at the zoo. <laughs> and so he was always there for the fall fest. So like if you go to the Columbus Zoo during um, their fall week, usually you'll see him because he's there for shows and he'll just be like wandering around <laughs> sometimes. So I've run into him while he's wandering around the zoo. And then sometimes we would see his wife out in the driveway by the house. Like we would have to go a back way to get to a back animal area and we just see her outside in a robe and just wave to her. Like, oh, hey. That's so cool. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I had, I had Jack on the podcast and he bought that house without letting Susie know at the zoo. <gasps> really? It was a huge fight. Like he talked about it on the air and it was so funny. Cause he literally was like, he bought a house at the zoo. That's so cool that you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we just would like sometimes walk past the driveway. It was crazy. I'll have to listen to that. I actually was like, all day today listening to a bunch of your podcasts and I saw the Jack Hanna one but didn't get a chance to oh. listen to it. Oh yeah, that's so cool that, that you just see him walking around and just, I mean, I would be so like, I don't know, I've been watching the dude for so many years, I just would be like, I wouldn't know what to say. I'd probably just be like, you know, hi. Yeah, I think that's what I did. I was just like, hi. <laughs> I get a picture with you. Cool. <laughs> like, just super awkward. And he's very nice. Like he... I don't know, like a lot of, I've not, I haven't met like a ton of famous people, but sometimes like, at least you'll hear stories of how different they are, which makes sense. Like you're going to be a different like persona or a different person if you're on TV or whatever you're doing. Um, but he's like literally the same person, <laughs> like when he's on camera and off camera, like, okay, that's him. He doesn't really like change a whole lot. But again, I haven't like seen him or like talked to him a whole lot, but whenever I have, he just 
was like, what's up? That is so cool. Okay, continue. I just thought that was so neat. You ran into his house all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. So that last year I did the, um, that part of that department in the Animal Encounters Village and we would do all the shows and stuff. So when that was done, I... I feel like what everyone says, like you're applying to a billion places. So through probably the last couple of years, I started really applying to other places outside of the state because I kind of wanted to try to stay in Ohio just because I had grown up with my grandma and I didn't want to like go too far away. But then like being five years as a seasonal and applying to a lot of like nearby zoos and then not working, which is normal, um, I started looking to where maybe I would afford to live, like how far out I could even afford to travel. And so I actually listened to Andy's podcast today. I ended up getting a job at the Fort Worth Zoo, and that's how I met her. She came maybe like six months or a year after I got there. So yeah, so I finally got a position as actually an interpretive guide at the Fort Worth Zoo. And I took that position because I did have a lot of interpretive guide experience because I did that for three to four years at Columbus and also had my certified guide whatever, I don't know, certificate. (laughs) Um, So I took that and I took it because it also was helping taking care of the animals. So your job was get there in the morning, do your husbandry, take care of the animals, not too much training. Like there's training maintenance because you don't want to do something and mess up somebody's behavior just with simple things of moving them from one enclosure to another while you clean. And then the rest of the day we were just out in the Texas heat which I hate the summertime. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Um, I will never live in Texas again. And I was there for three and a half years. So yeah, so literally all the entire rest of the day, you're out in the sun, just like, especially the first week I would always burn. I'm very, very light in the wintertime. And then my first day in the sun, I'll burn. And then two days later, then it like turns dark. So I did that, I think for a year, But that's, and I let them know kind of soon into it, like, I love this job, but like my goal is to either become one of the outreach keepers, which is what Andy did, or be one of the education keepers, which was all in the same department. So a year in, I got moved in as an education keeper. So I was over at the other side of the zoo. We were in the back of the education building where we had our own animal collection, Um, And sometimes we would go borrow some animals from the other side of the zoo where um, the other girls were, the outreach um, keepers were. And they would come borrow our animals, too, because they were all a part of the same collection. So I did mostly, like, we would have the summer camps and the birthday parties. Oh, Lordy. I take my my hat off to you for those birthdays. Oh, boy. (laughs) Listen, people, they have, like, lots of different packages um, at the Fort Zoo for birthday parties. And they have one that's very expensive where it's just, like, extra, extra. And people would, like, yay, throw this party for your child. But people would, like, pay all this money for their one-year-old and then want all these animals. And they, like, want the kid to pay attention. But, like, half the time the kid's screaming so the parent's, like, out in the hallway the whole time. Or you're just, like, putting the animal in the kid's face, like... Look at the hedgehog. It's pokey. Like I know. You know uh, what I hate? I used to hate when parents would like grab the kids who uh, like don't want to touch the animal. And they're like, come here, Billy, touch it. And it's like the kid obviously is like, ah, and it's like, touch it right now. Like, and I, it's so awkward. And you're just like, oh, you know what? I'm sure that happened to you all the time. 
Yes, 100%. And a lot of times I'll be like, it's okay, you don't have to touch it. <laughs> like, And I've gotten really good about starting that at first off. Like, okay, now is the time when you guys can touch the animal. But if you don't want to touch it, you don't have to. And I feel like a lot of times I'm saying that for the parents. Like, yes. don't make your kids touch this animal. Like, that's the age that they are either going to, like, fall in love with something or be terrified of something. Like, don't make your kid terrified of this animal because you're forcing them to touch it. Oh, man. But, yeah, it's just, it's definitely, I've seen it happen a lot. Or we'll, like, try to, like, okay, this age kid, like, can touch, but then they'll, like, try to force their baby's fingers down, like, uh. and they're in the scratching phase. I'm like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've, oh yeah. I, I, I feel you 100%. <laughs> yeah. Birthday parties are probably the craziest. There actually was one time and I don't, I just don't understand. Like you're an adult. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. We would be at parties and the kids would be quiet and sitting down and listening and behaving. And then the parents are all like, talking like nobody's in there like oh. I'm trying to talk right now and give a presentation but one time this girl was like I can't hear you so I said what's that you can't hear me and all the parents just started shushing each other and they stopped talking the rest of the time and like I don't know I just was getting so frustrated and I was like I'm just gonna repeat the little girl and then it's like I don't know it's like an attitude without getting an attitude with them Oh, yeah. Uh, that is my not. pet peeve. I cannot. And I'll call people out during my live shows. Thank God I don't do birthdays. But I will call people out and, and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Or like if people on their phone. I totally get that. I think that's so rude. Yeah. That's right. so and rude. Like, you're an adult. Like, I just don't understand why you can't, like, process this in your brain. But yeah, whatever. People are different. People do <laughs> whatever. Well, yeah, and you're doing your job, and you're scorching in the Texas heat. Like, come on, give me, oh. you throw me a bone. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so I did that for the last two and a half years. But probably, like, I think after I was there for a total of two years, I just was, like, done with Texas. Um, and so I applied to a lot of zoos. And I and this was my first full-time experience, which is why I moved to Texas, because, again, like, I already knew I hated the heat and hated the summer and hate the sun and humidity. <laughs> like, everything that Texas is, wait, I hate. Wait, wait, wait. I, 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 wait I have a question. Were you, like, on the listings looking for, like, an Alaska zoo, like, Anchorage, Bozeman, Montana? Like, are you yes. looking? <laughs> yeah, and I would look at Canada zoos, too. And listen, every single zoo that I thought looked really awesome, I would go look at what the climate was. <laughs> Like every time I'd be like, okay. And I would call my grandma and be like, oh, in this area where this zoo is like the hottest it gets usually is like 80 degrees. And then it's like 30 degrees in the winter. And I love winter and I love snow. But yeah, 100%. Any zoo that looked interesting or looked like it had a great um, position or position that I was qualified for, I would go Google or on Wikipedia, <laughs> what is the climate of this state or wherever it was, like somewhere in Nebraska. Yeah, that's so awesome. So you're applying to a bunch of zoos around the country, making sure they're in the proper climate. Were you applying, though, to places even though it was an awful climate? Or were you like that specific? I, if it was like um, a position that was like gonna be a growth move, which is what I did ultimately and what I wanted to do. And like, I was super qualified for it. I would like, um, I think there was one other position. There was a couple positions that were open down in the aquarium Corpus Christi. Oh, okay. 
couple positions open and I was like, well, it's closer to water, but it's more humid, but the position would be amazing. So I just went ahead and applied, but it never heard back. So were you like skipping Phoenix Zoo? Skip New Mexico, skip Florida, skip. (laughs) Yeah, Florida. I've been to Florida a couple times and it's like you're driving in the car and you can see it outside. Like you can see the humidity, like on the roads. And I just to my think, I would think to myself, oh, it's not that bad. As soon as I would even like open the door, I would die. And I was like, I don't know why I'm here. Why did I come here? Yeah. I would not, I would not be able to live in uh, Florida. I've heard a lot of people say that they also hate humidity, but they would um, live there to like work at Disney and all this other stuff. Like I love Disney world and all that, but I still am like, Johnny, I, I would die. That was so weird. I was talking to my wife the other day. It's so weird you're bringing this up. And I said, you know what one of the worst things in the world is? Like when you're at Disney World in Florida waiting in line for two and a half hours for a ride. That yes. is in the hot heat. That is the worst. Like, why do we do that? That is the worst thing ever. I, I just, it's so funny you said that. I, yeah, I'm with you on the Florida heat. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's awful. Which also, it makes me think of like people come to the zoo, obviously in the summer. Cause like, maybe less work and your kids are out of school. Um, but people like look at an animal that has a ton of fur on it and they're like, why isn't it moving? Like <laughs> we're the dumb ones and we're the ones that are out in the daytime with this blazing heat and look like you are dying and I am dying. So why would that animal want to be walking around in the sun? Like yes. they're doing their thing. They're the smart ones. They're going to go hide in the shade and not do anything. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, yeah. my favorite time to go to a zoo is in the winter time. January, my God. I mean, perfect, perfect time to go to the zoo. Anyway. Yes. 100%. Okay. I always tell people like middle of winter is good. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Okay. So back on, sorry, I got you distracted with the Florida oh. heat questions. So yes. you, okay. So you're applying all over the country. Where do you land? Yes, for like a year, I applied all over the place. And then I applied here to the Nashville Zoo because there was a girl, um, her and her husband worked here at the Nashville Zoo. And then they left when the elephants left and went to Fort Worth. And she just like raved about working in the behavioral husbandry department at the Nashville Zoo and how much she loved it and all the amazing animals that she got to work with that I had never worked with yet. And so I applied, got interview, and I flew down here for an interview didn't get the position. Oh, no. Yeah. Didn't get it. Um, so what had happened was, so the zoo itself, like, has only been at the Grassmere property for, I think, 22 years now. So it's still fairly new. And the outreach department um, is still growing. So at the time, there was just a supervisor and one other person. So they got the funds to add a third person, which was when I had applied. And I didn't get it. So I went back to Texas. Were you, can I ask a question? Were you super discouraged? Were you like, oh, maybe this isn't for me? Um, I don't think so. Cause I, whenever like I'm super into something, I always try to like look up what other people's experiences have been. And I still was fairly new. Like I had only, even though like three and a half years seems like a long time to be in a full-time position, it's also not that long. And that was my only full-time experience as well in a zoo. So I just kept thinking that and like reminding myself of that. Like there are probably plenty of other people that have a lot more experience than me. And some zoos are really good about moving their people over. Like if they have the spot open, like, so like in Texas, I was in that one position, but I wanted to go to the next one. They're pretty good about moving people over versus maybe like bringing in a new person, which like sometimes stinks, but it's also very nice if you're that person that's like already there. 
so yeah, so I, I'm sure at some points I probably was kind of discouraged. I think sometimes I would go like a few months without applying because I would get like kind of discouraged, but then I'd get on, I, I would check AZA like 10 times a day, like all these new things were going to pop up, but positions are not posted like that. So at that point, I had decided that I, because unfortunately we don't make a ton of money, that I wanted to try to go somewhere where I knew someone. Because moving to Texas, I knew nobody. I had no family. I had no friends that lived there. It just was all by myself. And like I said, I was very shy as a child. So that was like a whole new experience. And I think that's what brought me out of my box was that I was there all by myself and I had to make friends. I'm happy you brought that up. And I know you mentioned Zookeeper Andy's interview, but she was talking about how a lot of people want to get into this field, but then they're like, wait, I don't want to move away from home. I don't want to move away from my friends and family. And it's like, that's something you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an unfortunate thing, but it's also really awesome because that helps you grow as a person, as a keeper as well. But it's definitely the zoo. While there's a lot of zoos in the country and there are a decent amount of AZA Mm -hmm. zoos, it's such a small community Um, and it's very competitive. There are a lot of people that want into the field. So it's very, very competitive. So a lot of times you can't stay like Columbus zoo. Nobody ever freaking leaves. So I I know (laughs) like, when is Jack going to retire? When is Susie going to go? No, they look great. They're doing great. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. There were people when I was at Columbus that had been seasonals there for 10 years. Oh Um, man. Yeah. Which, like, uh, sometimes in those cases, sometimes they, like, they had family. Maybe they were married and they were, um, they're not leaving the Columbus area. Um, But, yeah, so, yeah, so I had chosen to try to go somewhere where I knew somebody um, to have a support system or I could move somewhere and have a roommate that I would need. And so I decided that I was only going to apply to Columbus, Cincinnati, and the Woodland Park Zoo because I knew people, like, in all those areas. Mm -hmm. But then... Nashville Zoo called me out of the blue and they were like, oh, hey, we have a position open. Like, you don't have to interview, but we want to have a phone conversation with you and we're still going to post it online because we have to. And I was like, "Okay," like still thinking like maybe I'm not a legit candidate. But I think it was like three days later they called me back and they're like, oh, you got it. And I was like, "Okay." So I took it and moved up here, which is nice because it's a lot closer to Columbus than um Texas, obviously, it's so far away. So I can easily drive up to Kentucky where my mom lives, which is only four hours away, or go on up to the Columbus area, which is about six hours from here. That's not bad. And I, really quick, that is amazing how you were like putting the vibe out there. Like, okay, I'm going to only apply to these, you know, these three zoos. And then Nashville calls. And it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things where anything in life, it's like, you never know what's right around the corner. You might get discouraged. You might be like, oh, this isn't for me. And then the next day you get mm-hmm. a call, or you get an offer. And that is so inspiring. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think it was like probably within two to three weeks. Like when I decided those were the only three, it was like maybe two weeks later when they called me and I was like, oh, okay. I had never been to Nashville. I drove through Nashville once um, and stopped at the Opry with my dog. So I don't like random story, but I know I was listening and you could hear Andy's dog like heavy breathing in the computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were in Texas. We got our dogs probably three weeks apart from each other. And we found out that their birthdays were only a day apart. Oh, so nice. she has this massive St. Bernard and I have a Bernie's mountain dog. So this year we missed it for their third birthday. But we like either she came here for their second birthday with Timber 
and I drove there for their first birthday to Cincinnati um, from Texas at that time because oh, she had moved before their birthday. So, yes, that was the only time that I had stopped in Nashville was on the way for their first birthday party in Cincinnati. What would you guys do at the dog's birthday? Just <laughs> I don't even think we, like, did anything. We just um, got, like, doggy cupcakes and lit candles um and like saying to them at night it just it was a lot of fun and they were like best friends and her puppy for some reason like when he was little other dogs did not like him for some reason and so Sawyer was like his best friend ever in the entire world so we like I don't know it was like extra extra bonding that Andy and I had because our dogs were BFFs for life (laughs) that's awesome that's so awesome yeah so yeah so now I've been here in Nashville for almost two years hasn't even been all that long. It'll be two years in August. And which animals are you working with at Nashville? And what is your position? Are you in the education department? Or where are you in Nashville? So our department is called the Behavioral Husbandry Department. And it's very similar to that Fort Worth thing where there's, it's one department, but they're broken up into a few different little sections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have your animal ambassador keepers who are the ones that do all the animal shows that are on grounds. Um, and for the most part, they will do, we have what we call Nashville Zoo Stars, which is a lot of fun. So if someone books a program on grounds, like, or does a special event, like a wedding or a party, and they want animals, they can book a Nashville Zoo Stars and they take animals. So for the most part, they'll cover those as well. Um, and if they can't, then um, I will. So I am one of the outreach keepers. So I specialize in taking the animals off grounds or doing any event that's off grounds. Um, so like if there's a wedding off grounds, they might ask both us animal ambassador keepers to cover it. Um, but for the most part, that's our deal. So one of my favorite things that we do off grounds other than like going to schools and all the normal stuff is that the Vanderbilt children's hospital is one of the children's hospitals that has the Ryan Seacrest studios. I don't know. Have you ever been to any of those? No, no, I never have. Okay, so he has all these um, radio stations basically set up in these children's hospitals, which it's like super nice and super legit. And all these like famous people are there all the time. Obviously, like amazing people are here in Nashville. So people um, like the Jonas Brothers were there a day before or maybe like later the day that we were there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they have. And so um, it's a radio station. They also record it. So that way, if any of the kids are too sick to come down to the radio station to see any of the animals or see any of the people, they can watch it from their beds, um, which is really cool. So we go there. Well, we were going there once a month and taking animals. Um, and that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, cause usually we'll do like one animal during the recording and then we'll go out into this little stage area and bring animals out. Um, and it's generally, it's like an encounter. So a lot of the kids can come up and like touch the animals and, which animals? and um, which animals? do whatever. Like what, what ones are you working with? So all of them. Um, so, so part of our department, we also have these backstage pass people that do the tours. Um, and so we all work with same animals. It's a wide variety. Like we have, um, scorpions. They were, that's nice. a, this is the first place I've ever worked with scorpions. Um, and so I was really afraid to handle them on my bare hand, but our curator, she has a lot of experience with them. So I was like, if you do it in front of me, I will do it. So I made her like pick up one of the scorpions, um, and I ended up being for a while, one of the only people that like 
would hold them on my hands because you can see them a lot better without them being on a glove. And they're sometimes a little bit more active where if my hands are nice and warm, they'll just plant themselves. And they're a lot easier to see. So yeah, we have lots of different bugs, lots of different snakes. Um, we have macaws. We have a palm cockatoo. Yeah. Which whenever I post pictures of Lucille, people get so excited because I don't think I had really realized how rare they are. Like So rare. The- Black palm yeah. cockatoo, correct? Yes. Tell us yeah. about, is it Lucille? Yes, Lucille. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about Lucille and the black palm cockatoo and describe what she looks like because she's super unique. She doesn't look like a normal cockatoo. No, not at all. So um, she, I feel like she's like a tad bit small for the species. Um, she's like petite, but she's still like pretty big. I would say whenever she puts her wings out, um, I don't. she probably has like a two and a half foot wingspan. I also could be completely off. Um, but if you go to my Instagram page, I posted a picture of her not long ago with her wings out, which Mm -hmm. she was afraid of a perch that was in the room. Like obviously all of our birds have perching, which is just big pieces of wood. I don't, it was like the wrong perch for some reason. So she freaked out and instead of flying, she just, she opened her beak and opened her wings and was displaying at it. Like it's a piece of wood, Lucille. Like, I don't know what your deal is. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so they probably look a little bit more like a large macaw than a cockatoo. Their beaks are really big. They have a really big mandible. Um, They can open like one of the hardest nuts in the world. Like she loves macadamia nuts, which are just like these little things. I never realized how difficult to open they were. Um, She's got a big black beak. All of her feathers are black. Um, Her feet are black. And then she has these really pretty red cheeks. Um, so when she's comfortable, they're kind of this weird orangey color, but when she's really excited, they're like bright, bright red. Um, so she is really awesome. She's a beautiful bird. She looks very different from other birds. A lot of times people aren't really sure what she is when they see her. Um, and they're a cockatoo that's native to Australia. Um, that is so cool. And I'm going on your other feed, you know, uh, clouded leopards. My goodness, you are, oh, Talk about the clouded leopards. They're amazing. So I have been working with them a little bit more recently. Um, So we have, we're very lucky we just got a new building because again, like the zoo is growing. It's only 22 years old. Our department is growing. So we did have one building that had a lot of outdoor areas. And then we had to drive to the other side of the zoo to go to this other building where our bear cats and our clouded leopards lived. And so usually some of the keepers that were there for a long time, they were the ones that would always go handle that. But now that we have our new building, the clouded leopards are over in our brand new ambassador building. And so with COVID-19, they split us all up. And um, it's just me and uh, one of my coworkers, Jake. And we only, we're the only two that ever work together. And we only ever work in that building. Um, so I've gotten the chance to work a lot more with the clouded leopards, which has been amazing. Um, and then I've been, um, the zoo started these virtual tours since people can't come to the zoo. And unfortunately in Nashville or not in Nashville, but in the state of Tennessee, clouded leopards are a class one dangerous animal. And so there always has to be two barriers in between the public and these cats. So They were originally here. Um, We have a lot in the breeding programs. There are a lot of clouded leopards at the zoo. Um, But these two girls were originally going to be ambassador animals, which they are. 
Um, but unfortunately, they can't really do any public programming. So it's really cool. So with these virtual tours, they're $15 and you can uh, basically do like a Skype meeting um, with Zoom, I think is what we're doing it through. And you can meet the Clouded Leopards. But they're a lot of fun. Their names are Hope and Faith. And they just turned five a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And they're just beautiful. And talk about their, I mean, their, their canines. I love this fact. Can you, can you hit us with some fun facts? Yeah. So their canines are massive. They're about, they average like two inches long, which is the same length of a tiger's canines. And tigers are about 10 times bigger than a clouded leopard because our girls they're like 35 pounds and I think they the males might average up to 50 or 60 um so they have the largest tooth to body ratio of all of the cats so I mean that's insane this little 35 pound cat has the same canine as a tiger like it just baffles me do you ever have close calls working with the clouded leopards have they ever do they ever show you know aggression or are they pretty are they pretty, you know, used to training and used to these educational programs? They're used to training and they've always been around people. Um, I'm definitely, you're always careful with a cat like that. Cause even though they're small, they can obviously do a lot of damage. So I do a lot less with them just in case, but they do get very playful. So like today I actually was like, I, I knew that they were looked like they were about to want to play. So one was all the way up at the top. We have 10 foot ceilings and they like will lay on top of a house that's all the way up on a platform. So they're like sometimes at the ceiling and one was like chilling there, but the other one looked like she wanted to do something. And so I turned the podcast off and like set my phone aside. Um, and I just was squeegeeing. She came down, she laid down in the water and I was like, oh. okay, whatever, that's fine. But then she rolled on her back and like was showing her belly and I was like, she's going to want to play. And she went to go like, like she wanted to play, but she swiped at my leg. And so I moved my leg out of the way because I also injured myself at work a few weeks ago and I have this like giant bandage I have to wear every day. So yeah, so I had to like, no, no. So I don't think she would have gotten me that bad unless she went for my bandage, which like it's an animal and what's that on your leg? Let me go for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so even like if they're up in their little huts and they're hiding, I always keep an eye on them whenever I'm in there just in case they start feeling playful because they want to play with us like they would another clouded leopard, which obviously we are not. Um, so that was one thing. So I was not there obviously five years ago, but a couple of their primary trainers, like part of the training was just teaching them that they can play like that with each other, but not with us. Okay. Um, so the only acceptable like, behavior that they're allowed to do with us is like their social grooming so they'll like to lick your legs or lick your arm hair and and stuff like that oh do you ever just pinch yourself and be like my god this is my job what i know yeah sometimes like i think i'll be going back through my instagram and i'm like this is my instagram because i just post all the animals that i work with and it's just like it's crazy and the things that i get to do like i have met so many people through the jobs. Um, so like Andy works with the cheetahs at Cincinnati. Um, so I've been up there multiple times and I got to meet the cheetahs. I went this winter and got to meet Chris and Remus when Chris was still pretty small. I am obsessed with red pandas. They're yes. My yes. Yeah. Okay. And yes. So, I was, that's on my list. Red pandas. It's underlined. Yes. Let's talk about them. I love them. So I also like, 
networking in person is awesome, but networking through social media is awesome. Like I met you through social media and now we're doing a podcast together. Um, but one of my friends who I had never met in person, Anderson, she, we would always talk. What were you going to say? No, I just was like, I, I, yeah, I just, I know where it's going because I think I follow her too on Instagram. Okay. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. I don't think she had, maybe she had just started work at Cincinnati, but she wasn't there at the time. Um, so she, we would always talk on Instagram all the time. And so it was like, we were best friends, but we'd never talked to each other in person. Um, okay. So I think this was after her first season working in the cat ambassador program. So, um, I was like, Oh, Hey, I am going to go to Cincinnati and meet up with Andy on this day. And she was like, Oh, if you come up a day early, I'll just meet you at her place while she's at work. And I know Paul at the Cincinnati zoo and we can go meet the red pandas. I was like, uh, Yes, yes, yes. And so I drove down to Cincinnati and Andy was not even at home. And I met Anderson at Andy's house and we went to the zoo and Paul is freaking amazing. He's the nicest person ever. And so he took us in with the red pandas and I kept saying, I was like, I'm, I thought I would cry the first time I met them, but I did not. Um, but I was like, I'm going to die. And I had this on camera too. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, you don't know that I could get so excited. I could have a heart attack. And he's like, well, I hope you don't do that. Um, yeah, like we, I don't probably were in there for 45 minutes. He brought treats in there and was like talking to um, us about who everyone was. Like he's so into educating people about them. Like um, who this is so-and-so's mom and she sent babies over to Columbus and she sent these babies over here. Um, and then there were like some people, cause we were in the exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people were coming up and then he would stop and like do a little keeper chat while we were in there, just like feeding and taking 5 billion pictures. Um, and Anderson, Anderson Kelly is like all her handles. Usually she's a photographer. So she brought a camera to take like professional pictures of me and these red pandas in my first meeting. So I have like awesome pictures that animals anonymous have actually used. Cause I wore my, red panda socks. I wore my red panda sweatshirt that I got from Animals Anonymous. So they used my picture for some of the social media stuff. Um, cause Anderson takes amazing pictures. But then when we, all the treats were done, Paul went and sat down on a rock and he was like, you guys can sit down. So we sat on rocks in the enclosure for probably like 30 minutes and just watched the pandas. Like it was so amazing. And I was like, Paul, I don't know you, but I love you. Like you are a <laughs> person. <gasps> wow. Did you get to, I mean, were they hands-on interactions at all? Yeah. So um, he would have like this little tree that probably like it touched the ground so they could climb onto it. Yeah. Or I guess it was yeah. a log that led up to a tree. Um, so right around maybe like four or five feet, they would climb to that spot and you would feed them. Um, and some of them, one of them, he was like, she gets a little bit handsy, so don't pet her. And we're like, okay, but she would still eat from you. But like some of them, they would let us pet them while we were feeding them. I've met red pandas two other times after this. And every time I always end up with like little scratches because they, you'll kind of like try to wait a minute to give them food. So you're not just shoving all the food and like wasting it um, or only giving it to one of them. But they'll, I mean, they're animals. They just like reach out their paws and then dig your claws into your hand and pull your hand back. So every time I've always had these little tiny scratches. And then sometimes I'll have like little itty bitty scars on my hand. But I'm like, look, this is from a red panda. And it's, yeah. So they were, they've all been very hands on, which has been awesome. 
it's been really, really fun. Wow. Uh, I just, I'm just like living through you. That it's like one of the best feelings in the world when you're at a zoo and you're with some friends and like with the keeper and they're like, Oh, and, and, and then like, and then you meet a really cool keeper who's like, Oh yeah, you want to do that? Sure. Come on back. And it's like, yeah. Oh, it's like, God, I wish all keepers were like that. That is so cool. Shout out to Paul. That's yeah. awesome, Paul. Yeah. And then there was another time I wanted to go visit the Columbus zoo. Cause I, had been gone for like five years and haven't visited and um anderson loves going to columbus and um so i was like hey do you want to meet me up meet up with me at the columbus zoo and one of the red panda keepers i had always like kind of talked to her in passing at the zoo um because she had a red panda tattoo and i always was like oh my god i love it i'm going to get one one day which i did eventually get one um but i messaged her and i was like hey um would i be able to like meet the red panda she was like oh heck yeah and i was like okay (laughs) And so we went in there and she was like, look, I've been training them to do selfies. And so she just like would hold a piece of food next to her face. And she's like, just do this. And then you get a selfie. And I was like, okay. Um, And she said, it's been like nice because especially since the Columbus zoo has been on um, their show, whatever, what's it called? Secret secrets of the zoo secrets of the zoo. Yeah. Because she's been doing like a lot of training with them being in close contact that they were amazing when the camera crew was in there. Um, and I think they're getting a lot more attention, which is awesome from like probably like very well-known people that are like, I want to come meet a panda and they can have an amazing experience like that. But yeah, she just was like, just do this and then take a picture. <laughs> I was like, okay. That is so cool. And by the way, audience, if you want to watch Secrets of the Zoo, it is on Disney+. Plus. My wife and I are watching it now. We love it. So it's so cool. Watch all the episodes. <laughs> Yes, and I love watching the episodes with the Wilds, which I got to go out there a couple of times for when I worked in the education department, and it was amazing. The Wilds is amazing, and it's crazy because you know half the people there, and you just want to text and be like, I'm watching you on Disney. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, so Red Pandas, you also have uh, – can we talk about – because you have a YouTube channel, and you did something recently with Okapis. Oh, oh yeah. talk about that. Yeah, so I I started a YouTube channel because I, again, I love sharing the information on my Instagram. um, And I try to, like, come up with fun facts that I think people would like to know. Um, If anyone tunes into my YouTube, like, very new to it. So, like, don't judge me too harshly. Um, I think my videos now are, like, a little bit better than they were. And I hope that they get better. But, yeah, Quasi, the Okapi, lives behind the the scenes at Nashville Zoo. Um, and I, he's only like six years old and he's so amazing. He's so friendly. So some of the backstage, like past tours that you get, um, you can go meet him. And so, um, MJ is the girl that was, well, I guess my like co-host or whatever, my guest that was talking about him. She actually was a part-time person in my department. So like she had gone around to different zoos. So she has the same story as everyone else. She was part-time in my department doing the tours and then she got hired on full-time working in the hoofstock department and was working with okapis um so i was like mj do you want to do a video with me with quasi and she was like yes and i think she like brought way more um excitement and like entertainment to the video for sure because she just is that kind of a girl and she's amazing um but yeah quasi okapi is awesome he like, they're very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah can we actually talk what – because people might be listening, like, what's an okapi? <laughs> what the heck is that? An okapi is that weird animal you've probably seen pictures of that looks like a horse and a zebra mixed together. Um, 
but they're actually related to giraffes. So they're a, a giraffe relative. Um, and they basically look like a massive horse in their hind end that has black and white stripes. Um, and their fur looks like velvet and feels like velvet. It's insane. Let me break it to you. I hate the feel of velvet. Like, it gives me shivers. Ever since I was a kid, I've hated it. But sometimes, like, I'll just do one swipe to do it. Then I'm like, it gives me a shivers and oh, I'm done. You don't, oh, you don't like touching them? And aren't they oily, too? They are really oily, yeah. So <gasps> if you rub them enough, like, your your hands will turn, like, that orangey color, the red color that their fur is. Oh, you're killing me. You don't like touching them because of that no. weird... Oh, no! You, I'll do, like, one or two, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Oh. Yeah, so it stinks. And then he has ossicones, too, which are the, the bony growths that giraffes have. So that's, like, I'm sure you guys maybe have that picture now. It's the weird animal you've seen in pictures that you have no idea what it is. That yep. looks fake. He looks like a fake animal. Yeah, lived deep in the forest in Africa. That's yeah, so yeah, cool. and they were like they weren't obviously like indigenous people. Probably have seen them for a very long time, but um, people like Westerners who catalog the animals would always hear stories of like there's a unicorn in these parts type thing, um, and so they went out looking for the unicorn, thinking oh maybe that was it. Um, and then they found the Okapi, and it was like, I think the year 1900, which is very late to find such a large animal that has been in existence. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how incredible. That's like a bucket list encounter. And I'm going to think of you every time when I finally touch one, I'm going to be like, I can't believe Johnny doesn't like this feeling. I think it'd be so <laughs> cool. Come to Nashville. You can meet Quasi. I would love to come to Nashville. And one, I'd love to go to the zoo. I've never been to the Nashville Zoo. I've been to the Knoxville Zoo, but never the Nashville Zoo. And I bet you guys have the most amazing food. Like, I'm just, I'm starving now. So I think that's probably why. But you guys have the best, like, fried food and barbecue. Like, I'm all about that. It's so good and so unhealthy. Like, it's <laughs> I like, listen, if you're trying to save money, like it's so hard, especially when you first move here, like I need to try all the things. And, um, for whatever reason, I swear the first two months I was here, everyone in my department wanted to go out for lunch. And so like, I blew through so much freaking money, just like going to restaurants. Um, but yeah, it's good. Amazing barbecue, amazing, um, hot chicken, lots of different hot chicken places. It's amazing. And, the, and I think it'd be, oh, just everything looks so cool. Yeah, I would love to come to Nashville and meet you. And it would be cool if we could film and all these amazing <laughs> animals. I'm serious. I'm planning my yeah. trips. I can't wait. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. Yeah. So can I ask you something? I actually, so I'm a member of that secret Facebook group, uh, Zoo Creepers, as I just blasted them. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> they, right. But you have to, they'll, you have to be accepted in. They did a profile yeah. on you and they did. Did you know this? Was it one of the girls she like posted me and Karina or something? Maybe it was talking, I don't know. it was talking about people of color working in the zoo and they showed your profile and stuff like that. Can we talk about that a little bit? Cause I know right now we're in some weird times and I was like, Oh, that's Johnny. I'm going to be talking to her soon. Can we just go into that just a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely, um, it like really picked up gear and they did it because um, Karina Newsom, who actually worked here at the Nashville Zoo, which I never got to work with her, but she like basically still lived here. She'd come back every other week. Um, so I got to be pretty good friends with her when I first moved here, but she is one of the organizers with her and a couple of her friends of the um, Black Birders Week. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sparked a lot of um, bringing awareness to and like 
sharing people's voices of um, black people or even just minorities um, being in a zoo field or outdoor field or like hobbies like birding um, or anything like that. So it's definitely like different, I guess. I generally, I've only been to three, I've only worked at three zoos. Um, and for the most part, I've always been the only black keeper. At Columbus, I don't, that zoo's so big and I was only ever seasonal. Mm. And there's lots of diversity in zoos if you ever just go. But like when it comes to zookeepers, the people who work with animals, like it's very rare. Um, I honestly can't think of any at the time that I was there at Columbus. Um, majority of the time at Fort Worth, I was the only one. The last couple months I was there, um, one of the new guys started and he was black and he even, I left and he actually called me and didn't necessarily want advice, but he just was like, what has your experience been here? Like being the only black keeper, like, have you noticed anyone treating you differently? Like how do the higher ups and stuff like treat you, um, and stuff like that. And so that was very interesting because I like I noticed I've always noticed like I'm the only one um, like anyone like if they're the only blonde like you might notice like it's you just notice stuff like that especially if you've grown up um, being the only one being the odd one out you might pay attention a little bit more and notice um, and then when I came here to Nashville um, there was one other girl and then she left probably a few months after I was here. So at the time, right now, I believe, unless some random new person is here, um, I'm the only black keeper here, too. Which, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. I don't know how I want to explain it. So at Fort Worth, everyone knew who I was. And I know it was because I was the only black keeper. Because there have been people that were there for five plus years. And the higher-ups had no idea what their names were. And they would go out of their way to say hello to me. Um, or they'd act like they knew me. And I'd be like, oh, hey. And they're like, oh, sorry, you don't know me. Like, okay, this makes sense now. Um, so, like, sometimes it was awkward. But, like, I don't care. Like, whatever. I get it. And I kept getting requested for um, – so, for like I said, I did the education keeper. Yeah. So, I would do on-ground stuff. And I didn't do the outreach stuff. But for really big, high-profile events, sometimes they would request me. With that kind of stuff, like, there's two sides. Like, A, it's, like, weird and, like, it can be awful that you want to do that. But also, like, at least you're thinking about that. Like, I I don't know. If it's, like, an adult thing, like, okay, that's kind of weird. But if you're, it's, like, a school or something, like, you want to show kids, like, hey, look, you can do this, too, like, representation like that's awesome but it's just like but where's your head at when you're asking yeah. that I've always been super into animals but I also I'm biracial um and I grew up with the white side of my family in the suburbs but yeah it's just like I don't know it's just different so it's nice to like show representation but it's just like if someone asks yes please thank you like I would love to make an appearance to show people even adults my age or even younger like oh this is something that I can do because sometimes you don't necessarily like think about something unless you see someone that looks like you like oh I could do that too and honestly like when I was at the zoo it's not none of those girls they were all um it was all girls and they were all white girls but uh, um but it's just it was one of those experiences where like I never realized I could do this and I feel like there are a lot of people out there like they'll see a girl doing something that generally men do and they're like oh I can do that it's just like a you have a self-realization if you see someone that looks like you doing something that isn't 
the norm. Yeah. And I mean, listeners, and I'm sure you know this, but back in the day, zookeeping, it was like a male dominated field. Now it's like all females. I mean, you guys are running the roost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are not, I mean, how many guys, I mean, I'm sure you have more female keepers than male keepers at Nashville Zoo, right? Um, 100%. In our department, we have two guys in our department. Um, and we actually like, we were hiring for a position a few months ago, which someone got hired, but there were like a couple of guys that interviewed and were like, Oh, are we going to get a third man? But, and the- <laughs> um, but yeah, there, I feel like there are a decent amount of guys in the zoo, but it's still like dominated by women. Um, and so a lot of people ask about, I don't know if you know this, but the Nashville Zoo won Best Bathroom Award um, because one what? of the new... <laughs> I know, like, is that even a thing? That makes no sense. Um, like, why would anyone know that exists? But one of our newer areas that opened, I think the year before I came here, is the Andy and Bear exhibit. And in the women's bathroom at that exhibit, there's a Tamarin exhibit in the bathroom. No. Um, Oh, I've always thought that would be such a good idea. Like at the urinals, having a poison dart frog exit. Oh my God, are you... (laughs) Listen, there's a snake in the men's bathroom at the end of (laughs) Right? Wait, wait, wait. What what type of snake? Is it a python? Uh, What is it? What is it? I think it's a a Boland's python. Oh my God. What if they had like a worm snake? Oh, that'd be so funny. Oh my God, I'm dying. Okay, rabbit hole. Okay, so they have a tamarind exit. What? Yeah, it's amazing. It's literally the entire wall up like across from the stalls is a tamarind exhibit. And so actually, if you go to my Instagram page, I have like the little story things that stay there. Yeah, yeah, highlights, yep. Um, yeah, the highlights. So if you go to one, I think it says, I think my thing says Nashville Zoo. If you click on it, I think it's the first two videos is me walking into the women's restroom. There's no girl, so calm down. Um, everyone that's listening, but there, yeah, you walk in and, and there's a nice video of like what it looks like. Hold on. But yeah, it's an entire thing. So sometimes people are like, well, what about the, the keepers? But the whole primate team is all female right now. So they don't have to worry about like if someone needs to go into the bathroom randomly during the day to like take care of the animals, they're all girls. Hold so on. It's... This is so sexist. What about the guys? What if <laughs> I want to see the tamarins? This is an all I get's a snake. What's up? I mean, what if guys... <laughs> Can... are there other places to see tamarins or do you just have to be a female? <laughs> um, I think that's the only place we have tamarins in the zoo, oh but usually God. everyone's very good about like, they'll go and just like knock. Um, Cause I've gone to the zoo with my guy friends and I'll peek in and be like, is anyone in here? And like, Nobody's in there. So I'm like, okay, let's go. And they did that for, I did my orientation like a month (laughs) after I started. Um, But that's what they did with all of us. They like went in to make sure no, and it was a guy. He like opened, or he had us go in and ask if anyone was in there. And he took us all into the bathroom. And then he did the same thing over at the men's restroom. He went in, he was like, no one's in here, come in. And so we all went in and looked at the snake in the men's Oh, my God. That is so funny. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to post about this. This is so funny. I can't believe this. I've always thought that, like, a urinal, little poison dart frog thing as you're going. And, oh, my God. Where are the – wait, wait. I want to get more into this. So in the men's restroom, where is the snake exhibit? Is it, like, by the sinks or where is it? Is it, like, on the wall? I know it's not – I've – okay. 
I haven't, it's been like a couple years since I've been in there, but I'm thinking that it's like you look at it while you're using the urinal. Oh I my God. Oh my God. That's yeah. So I heard genius. a story and I don't know how true it is that someone like, cause sometimes you're like, you're just oblivious, especially you're going to the bathroom. Like I'm just going to the bathroom. Like what's going to be in here. Yeah, yeah. And he went to go pee and there was a snake and I think he was afraid of snakes and he like fell backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. Yep. What are they going to have, um, like, groundhogs? <laughs> yes. By the, yes. By the, by the <laughs> toilets? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, my God. That is so awesome. I'm so happy the zoo did. That is, oh, my gosh. Okay, that is awesome. Best bathroom. That is such a good note. That is, I've learned a lot yeah. during this interview, but that is one of them. That's great. Yes, best bathroom award. So they actually, I'm sure, like, there's a legit award somewhere, but they gave us a carpet, like this little, probably like five by four rug that says best bathroom award. So they put it in, um, uh, it's called the Croft Center. It's like where some of the education classrooms are and they put it in the back area where the general public don't see it. And it's like, we see it every day and we like wipe our shoes on it, but like no oh. one ever really sees the rug that says best bathroom award. Oh my uh, God. But the so zoo funny. is still closed right now, so. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow, if I think of it, I'll go try to get a picture of the the snake in the bathroom. I'll oh. do a little video and I'll send it to you. Please do, and then <laughs> save it and send it to me because this will air, and then I'll repo. Oh, if I be, I'll, I'll repost it. So don't post it yet. Wait till this interview comes out. But please send it okay. to me so I can do that. That is so cool. I've had such a good time talking to you. Do you have any last minute advice for anyone just you know wanting to pursue a career? I get a lot of people who honestly, who, who email me and they ask, they just feel so lost and they're stuck. They keep on hitting this wall of rejection and with the coronavirus, I mean, my goodness, that's uh, just yeah. another, a whole nother topic, but any advice for any aspiring zookeepers? Don't give up. Um, I, like I said, I was seasonal for five years before I got my first full-time position. Some people get it a lot quicker. Some people get an internship and then end up getting hired right away. But some people, do internship after internship after seasonal position before they get in. Um, but like, if this is what you're passionate about, it's worth the wait to get where you want to go. And don't ever like say, if you want to work at one zoo and that's your goal, like that's perfect. Set your goal and that's your dream zoo. But you, you might not get there until three years out. You might not get there till 10 years out. But once you're there, especially like if you can get all the experience you can get and become the best keeper, then once you're at your dream zoo, like maybe you'll be hired in a, at a higher level and be doing way more things than you ever thought you would be doing at that zoo. Um, but just don't give up and don't be discouraged and reach out to keepers because everyone loves encouraging everyone. I feel like the zookeeping world is very encouraging and very friendly. Um, I get I don't get emails because I don't like blast my email out there like that, <laughs> but I get Instagram uh, requests all the time asking about, um, a, just wanting to talk about animals, um, but they always ask, like, what did you go to school for um, and stuff like that. So definitely if you're feeling discouraged, message a keeper um, and they will help lift you up and support you. And you know what the good thing is after this interview comes out, you could just say, hey, that's great. Check out this link and it has your whole story. <laughs> like, So you don't yeah. have to type out that whole like I went to school, blah, blah, blah. No, really, though. That's like, you know what I mean? It's a great <gasps> insight. It's it. It's it. Oh, that's what I do. I don't have time to sit there and, you know, answer. Oh, how'd you get with animals? It's like, oh, here's a link to the podcast or how do you do this? Check out these podcasts. There's great insight and excellent info. 
oh, thank you for giving me this information. You always learn something. Cause I literally, I'm always like, oh, give me till later and I'll type it all out again yep. and like, I'll do it. Someone actually, um, they, they work for some, I think it's like an online paper called Vocal or something. And they were like, I want to interview you. And they sent me all these questions. I was like, okay, I'll answer this later. And I still haven't done it, which I just remembered. I need to like sit and do it all. But yeah, if I type it all out, then I can just copy and paste and then adjust to make it more personal if need be. Yep. Thanks for teaching me something, Corbin. <laughs> oh yeah. The link is going to be perfect. Oh, this yeah. has all the information. This is great. Well, Zookeeper Johnny, thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, with the coronavirus, thank goodness you were deemed essential. When do you think the zoo is going to be back open? Yeah, so we actually are opening on the 15th to members only for okay. three days. And then on the 19th, they're opening up to the general public. But they're making everybody, including members, um, I think members, they must be like reserving spots. But anyone that needs to buy a ticket, they have to buy a ticket in advance. Um, and then today they made us go through this like little training thing today, like how long we're going to have to wear masks for and like staying away from each other and all this other stuff. Um, and they're going to be selling tickets like in half hour increments, I think. So they're only letting like so many people in at one time. So you don't get like congestion or anything in the front of the zoo. It sounds like a perfect time to go to the zoo actually to beat the yeah. crowds. I yeah. mean, you guys actually probably like it. Like, okay, I mean, not the masks suck, but I mean, just, hey, it's less people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The only thing that sucks is, like, it's hot. So yep. at least you can be hot and not worry about everyone and their mom being all up on you. Yeah. Make one, me hotter. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, one last question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, gosh. Um, I honestly don't know. I think, if like, I could live out my dream in 10 years, I would be able to, um, like, do this and travel. Like, I I have always wanted to travel, but I have never had the means to be able to really do anything like that. Um, so my ultimate dream would be able to, like, go different places and, um, A, just, like, meeting animals or, like, seeing animals in their wild habitats. Um, but being able to, like, share my experience and educate people as well would be, like, amazing. That's awesome. Well, you're doing such a good job on your Instagram and thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. You're a keeper. You're busy. And so thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And listeners, I will include Johnny's Instagram handle and she'll get back to you hopefully and <laughs> just give her some time. She's busy. But uh, yeah, I'll include that as well. So people can follow you and just, you know, your adventures with animals. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.